0: Well, welcome this morning. Welcome to Mosaic. If we haven't met before, my name is Bill. Uh, I'm the interim pastor here. Uh, we have a lot to celebrate today. Today is an awesome day. I'm so glad that you guys chose to be here with us. So we've been on this journey for the last really six months. It was back in January that we announced to you, to Mosaic, that our lead pastor was transitioning on. Uh, and it was one of those seasons where it's like a little bit scary because you think, okay, what's going to happen? Um, and just look around. Like what's happened is we've really just continued to come together. We've continued to grow as a family and see God do amazing things to our community. Uh, And then through that process, we've had this team, the transitional team, uh, just kind of reaching out, uh, seeing if there's anyone out there that aligns with how crazy we are, right? (laughs) Uh, Just seeing if there's just one person out there. And so uh, we went through this process. We had 70 people apply, and we parsed that down to 20, and then 10, and then 4, uh, and then really there was one person that really stood out, uh, one person that as he spoke it really felt like he was in our core leadership team meetings, because the things he was saying and the way he was articulating them and the language he was using, uh, it was really just in line and in tune with our heartbeat. Uh, and so we got, we've been able to really hang out and party with Kurt and his wife Nicole all weekend, uh, and I'm excited for you guys to meet him, and I'm excited for you guys to hear his heartbeat. Um, so would you please... Uh, give it up for for Kurt. He's going to come up and he's going to speak to us. Thank you, Kurt.
1: Mosaic. It is good. It's so good to be with you this morning. And um, I tell you, I, I always have this feeling that church should be a little bit like uh, walking into a home that's not yours, but then feeling like it is yours. Um, And you guys have made my wife and I feel that way this weekend. So thank you. Um, I miss my kids this morning. Dad's in the room. Happy Father's Day to you. But if there was any place I had to be away from my kids, I I think this might be it. So um, thank you so much for having us. And Bill talks about, you know, the journey that you guys have been on as a church family uh, since January. And it was actually back in January um, in northern New Jersey, uh, where my wife and I are from. And we began to, to hear God speak, but it was, it was one of those things when he began to speak, it was like, no, I don't want to hear that. Um, you ever been there, right? I don't want to hear that, God. Um, but he began to just kind of say, I want you to open yourselves up. And about 19 years ago, my wife and I moved to New Jersey. I'm from Ohio. She's from Michigan. So we left the Midwest and went to the East Coast, and it was that same kind of eerie voice Uh, But yet, a comforting voice that God was saying, I just want you to open yourself up um, for something that I may have for you. We don't know if this is it, but we're really glad to be here. Um, And it very well may be it. But uh, our hope and prayer for you guys is that you would just continue to listen for God and what He has for you uh, as a local church. And we uh, certainly welcome your prayers uh, for us that we would be open to all that God has for us. Um, I want to make a confession this morning. Uh, I, a lot of times, struggle with why do I go to church on Sunday mornings. Um, brunch is really nice, especially brunch in the Northeast. It's, it's really a great thing, and I love brunch. So I, I struggle with why do I go to church, but as I was here this morning and I was with, as I was with all of you, um, I love it because as we sing, as we hear the word read over us, uh, it's like this veil is lifted um, this veil that's just constantly over us. Um, in a way, and that veil almost leads us to believe that th- this is all there is, you know? We're just, we're just going through motions. We're just doing what we need to do day in and day out. Um, and as that veil is lifted, it's just a reminder that God is saying, I am present with you, and I am leading you somewhere. Uh, so that's, that's why I gather. I love it. It's just good news. And so my hope for us this morning is that we would be people who receive good news together because we, we need good news, Right? We need good news. We need it to shape us. We need it to just kind of infiltrate every nook and cranny of our lives that we could be people who leave here then and share good news with everyone that we meet. Uh, There's a 20th century poet by the name of T.S. Eliot. In his poem from Choruses from the Rock, he asks these questions. Where is the life we have lost in living? Where is the life we have lost in living, Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? And where is the knowledge we have lost in information? I don't know about you, but sometimes I really struggle with how to be in the world. I really struggle with how to be in the world. I wake up and I know what I need to do. And I can do it really well. But oftentimes, I struggle with what kind of person am I to be in the midst of all of the doing that's going on? Where is the life that we have lost in living? Life and death, they're not these static categories. You know, We tend to think of, well, I'm alive, and then someday I'll die. But the reality is they're much more dynamic than that because we can be very much alive today, moving all over the place, but on the inside, feel like we're dying, feeling like pieces of us are just shutting down or closing off. And so this morning we want to just really ask some questions together and really discover where is the life that we've lost in living and what kind of people are we to be in the world? God has something to say to us. And that's my hope and prayer for you. Hopefully hopefully it reveals to you a little bit of, of my heart and how God's been at work in my life. And I, I hope that you find encouragement and we can just get to know each other um, as I share these things. So in particular, I want us to think about metaphors. Metaphors are, are, are a great way to really kind of pay attention to, to what is going on um, inside of our heart. you know. And if you listen closely, either to yourself or others, you'll hear people talk about their life. They'll say things like, oh man, I feel like I'm juggling 10 balls in the air trying to keep them from hitting the ground, right? We hear that a lot. In the Northeast, where we're from, people—busyness it, it, is a drug, and a lot of people are smoking it. It's—it's um, it's almost like a cool thing. I'm so busy, and look at all of the balls I'm juggling. So is that the life we're called to? Sometimes people—they'll um, really speak honestly, and it's like I, I'm trying to tread water, and I feel like the waters of chaos are just kind of sweeping over me, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to catch my breath. That's another metaphor. I love, I love the way artists um, help us understand the deep realities of the world. Bob Dylan, one of the great singer, songwriter, artists of all time, how does it feel to be without a home, like a complete unknown, like a rolling stone? And maybe some of us, if we're honest this morning, we feel like we're without a home, We feel like we're kind of going through the motions, but we're just not sure who we're to be. We're just not sure where we fit or how we fit in. We're not quite sure what our place is. And there's this kind of existential angst that just begins to build on us. And the nights are difficult and the mornings are rough. And yeah, we're great at going through the motions, but where is the life that we've lost in living? Because we feel like we don't have a place. Being a Generation Xer myself, uh, Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins. Love Billy. The world is a vampire, and despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in a cage. People don't know it when they meet me. Um, confession: I can be a really angry person. Anybody else? I can get really angry. Yeah. Yeah, In some ways, it's good. Like, in some ways, it's good. In a sense, we should look around at the world and say, that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. I don't like this. I don't like that. Um, But some of us, including myself from time to time, our rage and our anger has so defined us, there's so much that we're angry at. There's so much that we don't like. There's so much that's unsettling in us that we don't know how to be in the world apart from our rage. Our rage has so defined us that we struggle with what it means to be people of love. And of course, the greatest of all time, um, I know Bill loves Katy Perry. Bill, you're, you're, you're a firework, Bill. Come on and show them what you're worth. Um, and, and some of us, that's, that's building in us, right? I mean, it's like, how am I going to hurry up and matter in this life? I have to hurry up and matter. I have to show people, if the fireworks show is happening all around, am I just one of those little duds that goes off? Or like, am I going to be a really big bang? Am I going to show people that I have what it takes? Right? Hurry up and matter. Hurry up and matter. So this morning, I want us just to take a moment and maybe just consider to yourself, what's, what's the metaphor that's operating in your life right now? Maybe it's you feel like you're just juggling all those balls trying to keep them from hitting the ground. Maybe you feel like you're kind of just treading water. Maybe you feel like one of these, that you're just kind of a rolling stone, just blowing, but you don't have a home, you don't have a place, you're not sure where you're fitting right now. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're caught in the game of just trying to prove your worth and value rather than living from a place of worth and value. What is it? What is the metaphor that's operating in your life right now? Um, we're really bad as a culture of really knowing ourselves. In 2014, there was a study that was done at the University of Virginia, and crazy story. So they wanted to see what it was like for people to actually spend 6 to 15 minutes alone. So they started with 6 minutes, and just it was, it was a room where nothing was in there. Um, at first, they allowed the people have their devices with them. And so think about it. I mean, we hate being alone, right? If you have a moment of boredom, what's oftentimes, confession, myself too, what's oftentimes the first thing that you do? Yeah, you pull it out, right? We, we hate being alone. Um, and so it's the first thing we grab. So they, were, they would say, like, ten people, and they, they started at six minutes and tried to build it to 15 minutes, and eventually they removed things from the room so people could have nothing. But by the end of the study, they left one thing in the room, and it was this, this button, and people could actually give themselves electric shocks. And people knew this. They told them, you can, you know, th- this is what's left in the room. 50% of men... And 25% of women chose to give themselves electric shocks rather than to sit in a room alone for 6 to 15 minutes. Mosaic. This is the world we live in, and some of you know you would shock yourself, right? You would do it. You would rather give yourself electric shock than actually have to sit for 6 to 15 minutes and consider the existential crisis going on in your life. I know, I know. I wasn't there. I might have done it myself. Um, Why? Why is it so hard to just kind of sit still and kind of pay attention to maybe some of these guiding metaphors that are at work in our life? I don't know. Maybe it's because we live on this 13.8 billion year old rock that's hurling through space around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour, spinning on an axis going 1,000 miles per hour. And most of us didn't even think about that when we went to bed last night. And it's a good thing we didn't because we might not have slept. Um, And it's just like everything is happening so fast. Everything is happening so fast. But there's a metaphor. There's a metaphor right now. And, And if you take the time, you can name it. You can name it, and, and knowing thyself is one of the most powerful gifts that God can give to us, to really know thyself, to know what's going on. Uh, so that's my encouragement to us this morning as we, as we move um, into hearing what Jesus has to say to us. There's a metaphor that was given to us from the reading that was done from John chapter 15. And the metaphor was a metaphor of a garden, of a vine, of a true vine, of branches, of branches that had the opportunity to remain connected to that vine, to find life, to cultivate life, to experience fruit being born, to be shared with not only the fruit itself, but with everyone around And as we think about that metaphor, that that metaphor needs to subvert the dominating metaphor that's at work in your life right now. Whether it's feeling like you're treading water and barely staying above the surface, or whether it's that feeling of being a rat in a cage and having all kinds of anger and rage but not knowing what to do with it, that, that metaphor needs to be destabilized. It needs to be subverted. And my hope for us is that this metaphor of the garden, the gardener, the true vine, the branches, that that would destabilize, that it would decentralize that, that key metaphor that's at work in your life, and that it would begin to shape us as a people, that we would know who we are to be in the world. Let's just remind ourselves again of these words of Jesus. And I'm, I'm a firm believer I'm a firm believer that, that when we gather, the presence of Christ is here with us. Every time we sit around a table um, in the very real world, it's, it's, a fancy word for that is I'm, I'm a real kind of sacramental kind of Christian. I believe that the presence of God is all over the place. We experience it in all kinds of ways. How could you not experience it this morning when you stepped outside? And I haven't been here that long, but I know it's been hot and muggy here. But how could you not experience it when you stepped outside? The blue sky, the fresh air, the presence of Christ, the goodness of God surrounding us. Last night at the picnic and the conversations that were had and the drinks that were shared... How can we not acknowledge that the presence and the goodness of Christ is not in those things? Beautiful, beautiful thing. So the presence of Christ is here with us, and he's saying to each of us, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Mosaic, you, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So, Mosaic, remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, John's community who would have heard these words for the first time, If they had been around kind of their Hebrew roots, they would have understood that talk of of a vine, talk of a vineyard, was very common in the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, The psalmist in Psalm 80 talks about a vine that was taken out of Egypt and planted, and it was to bear fruit. Um, But unfortunately, it didn't bear any good fruit. Um, And of course, out of those people, out of Israel, comes this one king, Jesus, who becomes the true vine. And so they're they're kind of familiar with the story. Yeah, yeah, okay, we're getting it. We're getting it. And any time in the Hebrew scriptures there's there's a picture of a vine or a vineyard, there is a picture of communal beauty. The, the vineyard was a place where there is abundance. There is no scarcity. The vine in the vineyard was a place where everyone is provided for, where everyone has worth and value, where everyone is welcome to the table and can come and drink. There is a place for everyone. And so Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. And didn't we see that in Jesus' life? The way, that he just, the way that he was in the world. Everyone was welcome. There was no shame Everyone was welcome, just as they were. Here he is, Jesus, the one who was labeled the friend of sinners, right? Look at the way he eats and drinks with sinners. Love it. That's the true vine. You and I have that opportunity to be welcomed into that this morning. Whatever the dominant metaphor that's working in your life right now, just call it out. Call it out, but bring it to the true vine. Because that true vine is a picture of wholeness, is a picture of Of abundance is a picture of everything experiencing the peace that God offers. That's a beautiful thing. Um, The idea then of these branches being pruned. The idea is I've never really been around a vineyard, but pruning of branches is really you you kind of pick these things up. And and branches have a way, especially in the the vineyard, of, of kind of growing in on each other and getting tangled up. But when they get tangled up, they can't receive sunlight. They can't grow properly. And so let's just think about that metaphor for a minute of being tangled up. A lot of us are tangled up in this room this morning, right? We're tangled up. There's a lot of things weighing heavy on our minds. How are we going to pay the bills this week? How am I going to deal with this difficult relationship? What do I do with my parents? How do I relate to my son or daughter right now? There's a really difficult situation going on at work. There's all kinds of questions, and we are tangled up. And so the beautiful picture is Jesus, this true vine, is saying, you can remain connected to me where wholeness and abundance is. But Jesus then says, there's a gardener, and my father is the gardener. In the picture of the gardener, you can almost picture the gardener kind of bending over and leaning into his branches, untangling them. Pruning can sound like a, a, a harsh word, but it's actually a beautiful picture of being untangled so that we can truly receive light, so that we can truly grow, so that we can truly become the people that we're called to become. It's a beautiful picture of the way that God tends to us. It's a picture of a way that we can be in the world. So we have a divine gardener who is tending to us. He's tending to you can we? Can we become a people who regularly are now tending to this one who is tending to us? Um, I, I realize everyone's experience can be different. I've never felt God forcing himself on me. There's times when I felt God kind of directly intervening in my life. But one of the things I love about the way that I've. I've gotten to know my heavenly father, and one of the ways I've gotten to know God is I, I see the gentle way that he's constantly leaning into me, constantly tending to me, but never forcing himself on me. Dad's here in the room, and I say this to myself, if you want to learn anything about a wise way of dealing with your kids, just keep leaning into them. Just keep leaning into them. Don't force yourself on them. Lean into them, tend them, love them, care for them. This is how God deals with each and every one of us. But will we then be a people who respond, who pay attention to the tending that He's giving to us? Will we be a people who are receiving the love, the hospitality of God, so that then we can be a people going out and sharing that with everyone that we meet? Here's the beautiful thing as we attend, as we attend to God's tending to us, there's this attachment that happens, right? Moms know this, so so moms in the house, you know this. As you as you tend to a new life that that it maybe enters into your life, a son or a daughter, there's a, there's an attachment that begins to happen. It's just kind of this natural, organic thing. And as you as you pay attention, there's an attachment that takes place. So the more that we tend the more that we find ourselves being attached to the true vine, the more that we discover life in the midst of living rather than asking the question, where is life in the midst of all of the living? No, no, we're people who say, I have life. It may not be easy. There may not be a lot of answers. There may be more questions than answers right now, but even in the midst of that, there is life to be found because life and death are not these static categories. They're very dynamic. So even in the midst of difficult times, and my wife and I are there right now. We, we know God is doing something. It may be right here. We don't know. But as we're tending, we're finding that there's this life that's building in us. And it's, it's a scary life. It's a little bit difficult. There's a lot more questions than answers. But I tell you, isn't it in those times that you feel more alive than ever? Right? Right? I have this older Jewish doctor uh, in northern New Jersey that I go see, and I love him because he's just got this light sense of humor, and he knows I'm a minister, and he gives me a hard time, and uh, he'll tell me little jokes here and there. And, uh, but he'll say to me, you know, well, he'll, he'll always ask the question, so how's the struggle? That's what he always, you know, he said, how's the struggle? And he asked that because he always says, I always ask how the struggle is, because if you don't tell me there's a struggle, you're not really living. And I love that. So some of you right now, you're struggling, you're struggling. But you're really living, you're really living, especially if you're tending to the gardener who's tending to you. So this just, is, um, this just isn't us individually, but, but what about us as a church? What about, what about you as a church? Let me just share a little bit of our story um, as I begin to um, eventually wrap up. In, in northern Jersey, we have a small group of people that um, I, I had served in some larger institutional churches. Um, For a number of years, but about four years ago, we we stepped away and we said, what would it look like to journey together with a smaller group of people who are learning to tend to this gardener who is continually leaning into us? What would it look like to be people of peace and people of life in a world of hostility, in a world of, of inhospitality, Um, In a world where people are angry, what would it be like to be a people of peace in life who um, are not only being tended to ourselves, but then we actually are tending to others around us, that we would actually model what it looks like to tend to and listen. I love the first song that we sang, I'm learning to listen, God, I'm learning to listen, But what would it look like then for us to be a people who model that to people around us to say, let's listen to their lives. Let's listen to the dominating metaphors that are at work in their life. Let's get to know them. And rather than be a people who just are quick to speak into their life, because there's a lot of church expressions out there that love to talk, right? I mean, whether they mean it to be this way or not, oftentimes what they're saying is listen to us. We have answers for you. Um, And America loves prescriptions. So there's a lot of churches out there saying, we have something to prescribe to you. I I don't think God deals with it that way. You know, it's not so much, he's he's not interested in giving us answers or giving us a prescription. He's interested in growing us as children who trust, who trust, who are learning to listen to him, who are learning to be with him, who are learning to discover life even in the midst of the struggle. So what does it look like for us to be a people who are listening to the people around us? There's an attention economy crisis in the world right now. People only have so much attention to give. And so the the dangerous thing for a lot of churches, the tendency sometimes can be, how how do we get loud enough and create enough movement that in the attention economy crisis, people will maybe pay attention to us? What does it mean to be a people who leave that way of being in the world and say, no, 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 We want to model what it looks like that we have a Father who tends to us, who listens to us, who is patiently waiting, and we're going to reveal that God to the world around us because we're going to learn how to be with people. We're going to learn how to listen to people. We're going to learn how to be people of peace, but then also discover people of peace because we're going to lean into relationships around us, and as we lean into those relationships, we might discover that people begin to lean into us. And through sharing our stories and sharing our lives, we're going to discover that a lot of times the dominating metaphors at work in our life are very dangerous, and we often share them in common. But there's a true metaphor of a gardener, of a vine, of branches, and that metaphor can destabilize, can destabilize and just radically transform whatever that dominating metaphor that's at work in our lives. A beautiful way of being in the world Mosaic, the kingdom is among us. The kingdom is breaking in. It is, and I know it doesn't feel like it. Closing story, in in New York City, where my family and I like to go visit a lot, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, there's a very very intriguing painting that's there. It's called The Vision of St. John. And there was a a Greek artist by the name of El Greco in the 17th century who painted this. It's actually from Revelation chapter 6. You know, opening of these seals that are going on and the opening of the fifth seal... There are these martyrs, these witnesses who had suffered for their faith. And they're in heaven and, and St. John is there with them. And they're crying out to God. Now when this was painted by El Greco in the 17th century, it was a huge painting on this, on this cathedral in Spain. Um, but a couple hundred years later, they, they, they removed it from the chapel and they brought it to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. But then when they removed it and restored it, very interesting, what they did is they actually, they shrunk the painting where they they kind of cut out a portion because there there was the saints crying out to God, but then there was this huge blank space, and up here was this sacrificial lamb, Jesus, that they were crying out to, and the lamb was tending to them. The lamb was looking at them. In a sense, the lamb was saying, just be patient, be patient. My kingdom will break in. But in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, that whole upper portion is gone. And all there is 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 this huge frame around these, these witnesses who are crying out. And you look at that picture and you say to yourself, isn't that, in a lot of ways, how people maybe perceive even what we're doing here? Or let's be honest with ourselves, maybe even how we feel that we're crying out. But God, where are you? God, where are you? All there is is life within the frame. All there is, is life within our experience as we know it. That's what it feels like sometimes. But in the midst of that, there's this whole other reality that we're discovering that no, no, no. As much as our world tries to convince us of that, as much as we think that that's our experience, Jesus is present. This one who is no, who is no stranger to suffering who is no stranger to going through difficult times. He's saying, just stay connected to me, the true vine. And if there's a true vine, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of untrue vines to connect ourselves to. Um, and, and, and his presence is breaking in. His world is breaking in. And what a beautiful opportunity for us to be a people who go out and kind of pull that thin veil back as we experience that ourselves and say, God is present with us. Jesus is doing something in our midst. God's redemptive goal for the world is simply this, that we are all restored with all creation. He with us, us with him. Um, And together, together, we're, we're discovering how to keep living into that. It's a journey, it's a journey. My hope and prayer for you is that you continue to discover that together as my wife and I and, and our community discover that together. And, and let's, let's be open to all that God has for us um, because we are, we are a people of life. Uh, we are people who are attached to the vine. Let me pray for us. I'll invite the band back up. We're going to close with, with one last song. But would you, um, would you join me in just a moment of, of just kind of quiet prayer? God we we so desperately need beautiful reminders, because there there is so much darkness and chaos and brokenness around us god we we need this metaphor of the gardener of the true vine of our opportunity as the branches to remain to remain attached to the true vine because the The true vine is is just there waiting for us to remain attached. God, would you you bring life to Mosaic this morning? Bring life to each and every person who is here. God, give us the ability to, to tend to your presence and then grant us an ability to tend to the to all others who are around us, that we would enter into their lives, that we would listen, that we would walk with them, that we would be quick to listen, slow to speak, but, but together discover all that you're doing in the world, reconciling, renewing, restoring. God, this is a beautiful journey that you're taking us on, so thank you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.